0: You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. Download our mobile app if you haven't done it yet. and If you've been listening any for any length of time and haven't done that, Shame on you. No, just kidding. But there's some great information on there. There's all of our teachings, our uh, free digital Bibles on there. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. We don't want you to miss anything as we go through our study. See what I did there? I... Went off my normal script and it threw me all off. I hope you're doing great. It's uh typical Wednesday today. You may be listening and saying, well, it's not Wednesday for me because I know a lot of folks catch the stream on, you know, Apple Music, on Amazon Music, all of those different platforms on different days. So thank God for the internet in that way, right? Remember when we used to have to wait until we... Uh, We had had like a half hour window where we had to catch our favorite TV show or we missed it. You had to wait for a rerun or you had to call your friend up. Uh, Hopefully you didn't get a a busy signal, right? And then they would have to uh, tell you about what happened. Well, I'm dating myself here this morning, but uh, I'm in a good mood today. I am in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood almost every day, but uh, I feel good this morning. I hope you all do as well. I put out a a bit of a poll. Actually, not a bit of a poll. It is a poll on the Facebook page as to the length of time uh, that we should spend together every day. Ultimately, right, the 1% should be 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, need, needless to say, we uh, expand a little bit past that uh, every day. And we've crept up actually above the 25-minute mark a few times recently. Uh, so I wanted to get your perspective. It's like uh, the majority split says, hey, as long as it's under 30 minutes, we're fine. And then there's uh, this e- an equal amount that says, hey, keep it between 15 and 20 minutes, and that's best um i do want this to be to stay to its original format unless god moves us in a different direction and make it so that the program is easily digestible and also you know something that that you could say hey i could do this every day and uh you know, 15, 20 minutes, uh, that seems like that makes sense. So uh, I know I'm not doing a great job of moving it right along yet this morning. I'm a little more chatty than usual, but but I think that might be the way that we go. But we're early in the poll, so go to the Facebook page and please participate in that. I want to hear your perspective because this is our study, and if you know me, you know I mean that from the bottom of my heart. All right. Matthew chapter 19. We're going to close that out today. and Matthew 19 started with Jesus talking about marriage and divorce, and then it moved on to talking about kids, right? and, and the, the beauty of the next generation and how much God loves, right? Jesus loves the little children. I won't sing that for you this morning, but uh, he does. And of course, if you know anything about my life as well, marriage children, and then finances, you know, they all come together. And we have seen over the last three days, Jesus deal with an interaction with the rich, young ruler, right? This rich, young, prominent man who comes up and says, what do I need to do to be, uh, to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments, sell everything you got and follow me. Well, it was the sell everything you got that got him, and he ends up walking away sad, and then Jesus turns to his disciples, and, and we studied it yesterday, right? He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that astonishes them. Why? Because the standard pretty much was that if you had material possessions, if you had all the things that that uh, we seem to want to crave in the flesh, right? Finances, uh, admiration of others, uh, power and influence, that these were things that that really were a telltale sign of whether or not God was with you. But Jesus was changing the way that people thought, at least slowly for some of the disciples as we'll see today. Because as the disciples are hearing Jesus say this, you can almost hear the uh, little sirens going off in their head because, again, the idea of success and favor was material possessions it was influence power all that stuff and peter as we start today asks a bold question a bold question and he ends with so so he ended with a you say he ended he, we ended our study with a bold question from peter and these are really back to back bold questions he says well then who could be saved right if rich if rich people can't get in who can get in right funny mindset and jesus said well with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible so it's not impossible for a rich person to what enter into the kingdom of heaven which remember we mentioned yesterday does not mean just getting into heaven in the afterlife it means bringing heaven to earth here as a matter of fact when you have when you are when you have good things, right? You can share those good things. So it is not impossible. We see Zacchaeus, we see Joseph of Arimathea. We see even Matthew himself, tax collectors made a lot of money. You're able to bless people when you have, right? So it's not that God doesn't want you to have, but what did we say? God doesn't want the riches to have you. That's the standard, right? Do you have it or does it have you? So let's read, starting Matthew. Let's see what we have here today. Matthew chapter 19. I started with verse 25. We'll just read it through. It says, when the disciples heard this, right, that uh, it's hard for the rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven, uh, they asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, Peter. In all of his infinite wisdom, Peter steps up and asks a very, very bold question, okay? Peter asks—well, first he makes a statement, okay? Let's let's read that. He says, we have left everything for you. What then will there be for us? Funny, funny Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Right, so he asks, "What's in it for me, Lord?" And that is a question that we often ask. Right, we assess what it means to follow Jesus. We look at all the things around us that we think have, you know, more value in most cases than they do, and we say, "Well, you know, what's in it for me if if I go ahead and move forward?" Now, if you remember, David, King David, did almost the same thing when he was uh, about to fight. Goliath, right? He Saul puts out there, hey, anybody who takes this big guy down gets uh, gets the girl, gets the riches, uh, and you know, David asks a couple times, you know, are you sure if I do this, will I get this? So it's part of the human nature to to want to make sure that we're taken care of, right? Um, but Peter is asking this question because our biggest fear, right? Peter's biggest fear at this moment is, what if I miss out? And the paradigm in his mind is starting to shift. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm not going to be rich for following you? You know, if you remember, he's they're walking around with Jesus like, like he, they're his entourage, and they're telling little children and telling sick people to go away. And Jesus is stopping and saying, no, no, no. This is not what we're talking about. We're walking around here. We're serving. Okay. You're not here to be admired. You're here to serve. Hard to swallow for some, okay? So Peter asks, what's in it for me, Jesus? Or we've left everything. What then will there be for us? Now, for those of us that have kids, you don't even have to have kids, right? Most of the time, the human reaction, when you know you've done so much for somebody, and they say, well, what if you know what's in it for me like why should i why should i follow you why should i help you right what do we do we get mad inside and we say and we say haven't i done so much for you i mean if anybody could have stopped right there and said time out time out haven't i done so much for you if we look at our own lives, right? And and we can get like this sometimes. Like, well, what's in it for me? Why should I do that? Why should I give this up? Why should I give up my time? Why should I do this? <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, I've <laughs> it's funny with some people, right? They come to church and then they immediately expect to almost like get paid, right? Like God's going to pay him an hourly wage for coming to church, right? They don't realize that it's part of a lifestyle that, ha- that bears a lot of fruit, right? It's not all about just going to church. It's about being transformed and, and changing and, and changing your life and, and w- the reasons why we go to church. But I do. we want to get into this transactional type of relationship with God, right? Because that's what we're comfortable with. If I do this, then I get this, right? And it's really a lesser way to think. Because you cannot outgive God, right? Because God could never be in debt to you. But unfortunately, we like the transaction, but that's what the law was. Transactional relationship between humans and God is what the law was, right? You sin, you go, you take your sacrifice, you atone for that sin, you go back, you come back, you go there, you come back. And God is so much more than a grocery store. He's so much more than a fire extinguisher where, we, in case of emergency, you break less. And then we treat God that way sometimes, right? It's like, oh, I'm in trouble now. I need God. Meanwhile, you'd be so much more fruitful in your life. I'd be so much more fruitful in my life if I just followed him in more areas of my life and trusted him. So you would think that Jesus would now get angry with Peter and say, Peter, are you kidding me right now? I took you off your fishing boat, and I've allowed you to follow me around. I'm teaching you things. Like, what's going on here? But he doesn't. But he doesn't. We see the nature of God here. The loving parent, who's not what? Talk about love. Love does not boast. Love is not easily angered. Right? We get offended, immediately we want to puff up. I see this in relationships, puff up. All the things that I've done for you, right? Because we we need that notoriety. Meanwhile, Jesus has done all for us. Everything from everything being created through him to ultimately, which we're going to get to here in a very short time, him going to the cross, being raised from the dead, taking the, Keys of sickness, sin, and death. Throwing them to the deepest part of the ocean. Giving us victory in every area. If anybody could say, what's in it for you? Haven't I done enough? But he doesn't. Let's continue reading. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now you say, well, hold on, what's this about? Th- this it has eschatological, right? Study of eschatology, study of end times, ology is study of, escha is the end, right? So Jesus is talking about the end of the age, right? The full transition from the old covenant to the new covenant, which has taken place. We are in the fullness Of the New Covenant now. He's talking about, right, everybody who was under the law prior needed to be judged. This is something that has happened already, right? Now, let's get to what Peter is talking about. Because he's like, we've left everything. Peter's not even thinking afterlife. Peter's like, I left my family. I left my boat. I left this, I left that, and everybody else is probably thinking the same thing. And when they see the rich young ruler walk away and Jesus not chase him, Jesus letting him walk because he wouldn't sell his possessions, they're starting to put the pieces together and say, wait, it's not about the physical. And that's why he asks, what's in it for me? And now Jesus deals with their their hope for physical things, right? He says... And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Oh, and will inherit eternal life. So Jesus is saying there's nothing that you can give up that will not be replaced a hundredfold. Now, you take this in a literal sense. You're not... You're not getting a hundred mothers for one mother. I wouldn't trade my mother for a hundred mothers, not even close. But what I'm saying is, is that it is a life that is blessed, right? We always want to equate blessings to physical, but we don't realize that spiritual blessings like joy, peace, the ability to have patience. I always go through the fruits of the Spirit. Wise, Because these, when these things manifest in your life, what? Everything else gets added. Matthew 6, 33. I'll go back to it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else gets added onto your life. Imagine if you just had a little bit of joy a lot <laughs> in your heart. Imagine if every time something happened, you didn't fly off the handle. Look, I come from a, a line of of uh, of bad tempered, you know. It it just it happens, right? And that's something that I have to say. No, I'm not. I am not going to succumb to the the possibility. Right? And uh, do I fail? Of course I fail. But I I don't have to be predestined to have a bad temper. Does that make sense? All right. I want to keep us in a in a reasonable time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on here. <clears throat> It says, and everybody who has left houses or brothers or mothers or sisters or mother or wife or children or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And that's the final assessment here. It's a great way to end this chapter, right? The final assessment is is to be humble here on earth is to be great in heaven. And humble doesn't mean you have to lack. Again, that's, that's a paradigm shift. We always want to equate things to having material. God wants you to have more material things. Why? So you can be bless other people. I'm very grateful that I have, myself and my family, have the ability to bless other people in areas like that sometimes yeah I mean we're not we do what we can right and we don't hold back when we can right but the bottom line is this many who are first he says many who are first will be last and last will be first. why? Because so many people that we think and look like have it all they don't. Because all of their stock is put into things that eventually rot and rust and are temporary. That's why the Apostle Paul said, don't focus on the temporary, focus on the eternal. Focus on what is unseen. And look, God's going to provide all your needs. He knows what you need before you ask. All your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen? So... Let's go into this next season of life not so worried about whether God will provide. He has already provided. That's, that's the key. He's already provided everything that you could possibly need. And I know there's people here listening right now that are going through marriage struggles, that are going through financial struggles, that are going through things, and God knows that too. And he will get you through it. But just understand, he's going to provide you with everything that you need. You just have to go take it. You have to reach for it. You've got to trust him, even though sometimes you don't see it. And when dealing with other people, let's not be so quick to keep records of what we do. And let's just be a conduit. Right, where God can flow in and through us and give people grace. Jesus gave the apostles a lot of grace in this chapter because, again, he could have stomped his foot and says, are you kidding me, Peter? But he didn't. And he makes a promise that anybody who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will never be disappointed. And I can tell you this about my own life, and we'll close it out here, Okay any time that I set aside my will for his will, the only thing that I regret is that I didn't do it sooner. I promise you that. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that we get together and study here every day, almost every day. But we should be studying every day. We should be leaning in to learn more about you. And what we learn about you today is that you are patient with us, that even though our mind, will, and emotions are to say what's in it for us, let's shift that today and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because there's nothing that we could sacrifice in this world that you won't replace and work through us in a better way. Right, we don't want to put all of our stock of joy and happiness in things that are temporary. We want it in you, our eternal father in heaven. In Jesus mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out soh.church. We're going to kick off Matthew chapter 20 And I love you guys. Have a great day. This is the 1% Christian. 100 starts with one. Now go out and do something amazing for Christ's sake.